alive. What a delight to be here. This has been most entertaining, most informative. Some of the theology got changed, but uh, it's been very good. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I want to thank you for the opportunity to come and share with you this morning some thoughts about the resurrection. He is risen. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And this is our great hope and a great truth from God's Word. And we'll share some thoughts this morning. You've heard, if you've been saved for 30 years, you've probably heard 30 resurrection messages on Easter Sunday. Uh, if you've been saved for 10 years, you've maybe heard 10 or maybe more. Maybe you went to church before you got saved. So there's probably not much new that I'm going to say this morning that you haven't heard before. But we rejoice in the truth of that fact that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. Our hope, uh, the hope for the lost, the only hope for the lost. And uh, so I trust it will be beneficial this morning to each of us as we think together on that wonderful morning and maybe try to visualize it a little bit. And we've had some help this morning with the Sunday School and some thoughts during the Lord's Supper. I'm sitting, as you can see, because as most of you know, I injured my knee playing basketball a number of years ago and I was working in a, in a youth group in Michigan and playing basketball with the fellows there. So I need to sit. But thank you for this opportunity. I recognize it as an opportunity. I recognize it as a tremendous responsibility to open God's Word and share some thoughts. And my desire is to rightly divide the Word of Truth to do justice to the Word of Truth. He is risen. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. Heavenly Father, we do thank You for Your Word. We do thank, thank You for this wonderful truth that Your Son, Jesus Christ, came to this earth, died, was buried, and rose again from the dead and lives eternally at Your right hand. We thank You for that truth because it means that we too have the hope of eternal life, that we one day will rise with Him in the air. And we look forward eagerly to that day. Guide us and direct us by Your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> when we think about the resurrection, and I've been doing that, of course, for some time in preparation for this, uh, there are many, many thoughts that come to mind. And I got thinking, uh, after I laid a few things down, that Really, there are a number of people who do not believe in the resurrection. The atheists and the liberals and the scoffers and all of those enemies of the cross do not believe in the resurrection. And many of them do not believe in the res resurrection because they do not believe that Jesus really died. He just fainted. So I thought, well, maybe we should spend a few moments... Not that we doubt that, but just to reassure and reaffirm the fact that Jesus truly did die and was buried. And then we'll see some thoughts about the resurrection. When we think about His death, it was a most unusual death. You think about that scene at the cross. Blight, it would seem, for three hours. And then darkness for three hours. Those three hours were from noon until three o'clock, and a few minutes from now. 
Now, if it suddenly got dark outside at this hour, you'd scratch your head and wonder, what's going on? Is my clock wrong? Or is some terrible thing happening? Is there a planet coming between the sun and the earth? Or what is going on? It's most unusual. It's supernatural. And not only that, it said that there was an earthquake and the rocks were split and the temple veil was rent or torn in two from top to bottom. And I've read that that veil was two or three inches thick of fine material. Who could possibly do that? And that's not all. The graves were opened. And saints of the past came out and went into the city and talked with friends and family and neighbors, apparently. Most unusual event. This has never happened before. They've crucified thousands of people. But when they crucified the Lord of glory, the King of kings, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who knew no sin, unusual things happened. That should indicate that His death was most unusual. Then there's a testimony of the centurions, plural. A couple of passages mention the centurion, but one passage mentions centurions, like they were together and they're watching this, and they'd seen this happen many times. They've seen lots of people killed, crucified. They know what's going on. But when they saw these things, maybe they heard Jesus on the cross suffering, saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's most unusual. This is a unique man. And when he says to John, here's my mother, look after her, take care of her. And then he says, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Most unusual. And these men concluded, truly this was the Son of God. They concluded that he was a righteous man. One version says, an innocent man. And indeed he was an innocent man, a righteous man. Indeed he was the Son of God. And yet he did what he did to rescue us, to redeem us. The fulfillment of thousands of years of God's plan starting in Genesis 3.15, unfolding little by little like a, like a flower opening up. And this was the fulfillment of it. He completed his mission. When he said it was finished... He meant that He had done what He came to do. He died. He shed His blood for our sins. And He commended His Spirit into the hands of the Father who raised Him from the dead. And I think those two things are very closely linked. The fact that His Spirit was in the hands of the Father meant that from here on, I believe, the Father was in charge and the Father raised Him from the dead. The apostles mention that over again in the the book of Acts. So there are a number of proofs from the events around the cross and we could look with more time at some of the references Dr. Luke said he breathed his last Dr. Luke today in order to have an official death a medical doctor must sign the death certificate is that not true? I don't know if that was the case then but we have the proof here that Dr. Luke said he breathed his last that's quite interesting and a number of other things related to that, uh, of the events around the cross. Also, when Joseph of Arimathea came to ask for the body, the pilot said, he's dead already? 
Are you sure? And he consulted with one of the experienced centurions. Make sure he's dead. Yeah, he's dead. He's dead. And John relates that when they came to hurry the process up by breaking the legs of those on the cross, and you know that when they're lying there, when they're on the cross like that, they can sustain themselves to a certain extent with their legs, and eventually they will die asphyxiated, I understand. And breaking their legs hastens that whole procedure because then all of the weight is on their arms, which causes this to kind of collapse and you can't get your breath. Horrible, horrible way to die. So they broke the legs of the two thieves with him. But when they came to Jesus, they declared that he was already dead. He was already dead. And one of them thrust a spear in the side and out came blood and water. There isn't a shred of doubt if we read the testimony of Scripture that Jesus Christ indeed did die. He did die. Others further along, Peter in his first sermon... (laughs) with great boldness to the Jews, apparently very near to the temple, where the people who condemned Jesus to death were, said that you crucified Him and you took the life of the Son of Glory. Tremendous boldness on Peter, who is now saying things correctly. He did a lot of things and said a lot of strange things before the Holy Spirit came into his life. He was an enthusiastic person and sometimes got his tongue in the way of truth. But here he states the truth, that they did crucify him. Now, that's somewhat debatable. It was very interesting yesterday afternoon up at the the Boca Raton assembly. uh, It was stated, and correctly so, that God judged his son, and God took the life of his son. And that is true. But the Jews are responsible, as Peter stated, The Romans actually did it. The Romans are the ones that put them on the cross and hammered the nails. You and I are responsible. Adam and Eve began this whole sin process, so Adam and Eve are responsible. But in the final analysis, had God not wanted to justify us, He would not have sent His Son. And so God the Father judged His own Son Jesus Christ, to put it very bluntly, God killed His Son for our benefit. And we celebrate that solemnly every Sunday morning, and rightfully so. I think of Adam and Eve, and this is a bit of a sidelight. I believe Adam and Eve, having accepted the skins of the animals and that blood of those animals, innocent animals, shed for the guilt of those two people who sinned in the Garden of Eden. I believe they were redeemed. I believe they're in heaven. But can you imagine Adam and Eve being in heaven, worshiping Jesus Christ, whom they caused to have to come to earth to die for the human race? That would be embarrassing, wouldn't it? Now, maybe that doesn't happen in heaven. I don't know. But you think of these things and and you wonder. So, Christ indeed died on the cross and He was buried. And there are many, many scriptures related to that. And we will not go into them uh, this morning. It was, it was clearly mentioned in a lovely little whatever of the children saying those verses from 1 Corinthians 15. The Gospel, let's just take a look at what will be there uh, a little later. Verse 
3, verse, well, let's read the whole thing. 15, 1, 1 Corinthians 15, 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, the truth, the good news, which I preached to you. He preached previously, which you also received and in which you stand and by which you are saved. And down to verse 3, For I deliver to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins. The declaration in writing of the Apostle Paul that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures and that He was buried. There it is. He was buried. It's in writing. And that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. It's down in writing. Paul, witness, he saw Christ on the road to Damascus. He saw the risen Christ. And so he can declare this, that he was crucified and he died and he was buried and he rose again for our justification according to the Scriptures. Tremendous, tremendous truth. Let's leave that part of it and go to those lovely words which have already been mentioned this morning in Matthew chapter 18 we'll just chapter 28 rather we'll just look at maybe two verses here verse 6 and 7 when the women come looking for Jesus Christ and uh, the guards have fainted or had a heart attack or whatever they had because they saw the angels and they're out of the picture and the angels speak to them and in verse 6 says, He's not here. He is risen. My, I love those words. He's not here. He's risen. As He said, Come and see the place where the Lord lay. And then go quickly and tell His disciples that He is risen from the dead. And indeed, He's going before you into Galilee. There you will see Him. Behold, I have told you. The testimony of the angels. Those lovely words. Not here. He's risen. And let's go over to Luke. Spend a little more time there. Maybe the most favorite of the resurrection passages. Chapter 24. Now on the first day of the week, verse 1, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. They refers to the previous chapter and relates that the women saw where he was buried. That's another proof of him being buried. It relates how Joseph of Arimathea took the body and put it in this place, uh, a, a, a rock tomb hewn, out, a tomb hewn out of rock, and the women saw it. And so these women came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they prepared. Verse 2, But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. This heavy stone, some say this stone probably weighed 200 pounds, maybe more. And it had been sealed with a very special seal. They'd been sent, the soldiers had been sent to seal it so that, as they said, this liar will not uh, say that uh, he, he rose from the dead. He's not a liar, of course, as we know. But then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Considerable courage to go into the tomb. <laughs> uh, we hear jokes of people walking through graveyards at night and maybe run across one that's been prepared for a burial the next day and fall in and they quickly get out but fear you know you can jump a lot higher when you're afraid <laughs> adrenaline 
these women had great courage, I believe, walking into a tomb where they expected to find a body. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Of course, the angels. Then, as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but He has risen. Remember how He spoke to you when He was still in Galilee? My, those words must have been thrilling. Maybe confusing. Some fear. Perplexity, but thrilling. Kind of like when your son or grandson or daughter or granddaughter comes home and said, We won! And they're playing in a big game and of course the team is much better and ranked much higher and they manage to win. They come running in. We won. That's thrilling. That's thrilling. Remember when the U.S. hockey team, it was, a, I believe, an amateur team and they beat the powerful Russian team. Nobody expected them to do that. They won. Thrilling. Many other things like that have happened. But folks, nothing, nothing absolutely can be as thrilling as those words. He's not here. He's risen. Jesus Christ is our hero. Jesus Christ is our celebrity. Yeah, we've got our favorite players. I don't know if you've gotten into LeBron down here in Miami. I'm not such a fan of LeBron after the way he came here. <laughs> You'll pardon me if... But there's heroes. Michael Jordan was a hero. And there's baseball heroes and soccer heroes. And they do marvelous things. And you've got people in business. Bill Gates and uh, the guy at Apple. What was his name? Fox? Was it? And they've achieved marvelous things. And we... They truly made amazing achievements. But nothing, absolutely nothing can match this. Jesus Christ raised from the dead, never to die again. He raised Lazarus, his friend, but Lazarus, poor guy, had to go through death again. <laughs> I'm not so sure I'd want to be raised from the dead. We, we, once again, we once had a, <clears throat> one of these phony preachers come to Barranquilla, filled the stadium, expensive, cost a lot of money to get. He's going to heal everybody. And he's even going to raise the dead. And people, oh my, let's go and see this guy raise the dead. Wait a minute. Who's he going to raise? And why is he going to raise them? If he's going to raise a believer from the dead, if that believer was me, I would poke him right in the nose. <laughs> I'm in heaven enjoying the bliss of presence with the Lord and no more pain and no more bad knees and all the rest of it. And He's raising me from the dead to come back to this? No way. If He's going to raise an unbeliever from the dead, what for? It's appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. There's no second chance. So He can't come back to get saved. But gullible, stupid people run out there. Oh yes, let's go out there and see this guy raise the dead. Let's go out there and get healed. He didn't heal. And he didn't raise any from the dead. But he did leave Barranquilla with $200,000 in his pocket from poor people. And one of those poor people was a neighbor of one of our believers of one of the assemblies who went there in a wheelchair. And with the music and all of the hype and whatnot, he got out of the wheelchair. And, and the cameras were on him showing him. And in that moment of enthusiasm and the music playing and the wildness of it all and the, the emotion, he got up and the cameras were on him and he was in the news the next day. 
But when he saw that news report, he was back in his wheelchair. And he was bitter. Bitter against the gospel. Bitter against God because God didn't heal me. But the false healer was on his way back to wherever with $200,000 in his pocket. Jesus Christ truly rose from the dead, never to die again. And the people that Jesus healed, He genuinely healed them. Well, got a little sidetracked there. That happens after so many years in Colombia. He is risen. Thrilling, thrilling words. And then they're, they're encouraged. He's not here but risen. Remember how He spoke to you when He was still in Galilee and, and what we just read in Matthew, they did remember. Interesting that the disciples had forgotten and the, the women also had forgotten. If somebody told you that, if somebody told you that Bruce Simpson's going to die and three days later be raised, would you forget it? Brother brother Malcolm was going to have a terrible car accident and be killed, but the Lord was going to raise him from the dead three days later. You'd be you'd be calling Malcolm every hour. Are you okay? <laughs> but they forgot. They forgot. They were occupied with other things, and some of those things were who's going to be the greatest in heaven. If we're thinking of those things, we're not doing God's will. We're nothing. And we should not be thinking about who's going to be greatest in God's up in heaven or even who's the greatest here. That matters little. We got a job to do. God has given us a job to do and we need to do it without worrying about these things. But they're so preoccupied, at least in some cases, with those things, they missed the point of what Jesus was telling them. I must needs go to Jerusalem and be delivered into the hands of wicked men and be crucified. But I will rise again the third day. They missed it. They missed it. Let us not miss great truths from God's Word. So, verse 7, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered His words. They remembered. Then they remembered. Then they remembered. And so He told them to go on ahead into Galilee and to tell the disciples, Go and tell. Our mandate to go and tell. The summary words of the Great Commission to go and to tell. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15 just briefly. We're going to go in this a little bit deeper, but you can read these passages. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The inescapable truth given by numerous witnesses. An eyewitness in a court of law is a very valuable thing. And oftentimes there is no, court, there is no eyewitness in a court of law. And so certain evidence has to be pieced together. Yes, a gun was found. There's a fingerprint on the gun. Uh, this was done, and DNA, and this and the other. And they put things together and form a case. But if you've got eyewitnesses to an accident, to a murder, to a crime, you've got something very, very important. These people were eyewitnesses, all of them. Let's read about it. Verse 4, and then he was buried, and then he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas. That's Peter. Then by the twelve. That would probably include Matthias. And that he was seen by over 500 brethren at one time. 500. It's nice to have two or three witnesses. It's nice to have one. In the Old Testament, they needed two. Here they've got the, the, the 12. And then they've got 500 brethren at one time. 
The greater part of them are still alive. The greater part remain to this present, but some have fallen asleep. Then after he was seen by James and then by all the apostles again, and then last of all, he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles. I am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Saul saw Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. He saw the living Jesus Christ. And later his name was changed to Paul. And as Paul, he writes these words as another eyewitness. Stephen also saw him when he was being stoned to death. The heavens were opened and he saw Jesus at the right hand of God. Stephen is another witness. One more that comes to mind in 1 John chapter 1. The Apostle John. John leaned on Jesus during the Last Supper, the last uh, Passover Supper. He was close to Jesus. And listen to what he says. That which was from the beginning, that which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, which our hands have handled concerning the word of life. That which we have seen, seen like I saw somebody over there, which we have looked upon. He was with him for three or three and a half years. So he looked upon him many times. And then he says, that which our hands have handled concerning the word of life. His hands have handled. The idea is to, uh, what is the medical term, palpate? Like a doctor, you say you've got a pain in your arm and he's hunting for maybe something in there. He doesn't just touch you. He's kind of digging around. Sometimes it hurts. He's looking for maybe a cyst or something. That's the idea there. In... Luke chapter 24, we have an amplification of this. 24, when he appears to the disciples, verse 39, Behold my hands, Jesus says, and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. Handle me. And John gives testimony to that handling. We have handled him. We saw Him. We heard Him. We handled Him. John is another eyewitness. Numerous eyewitnesses to the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. And then the final point, and I'll let you read that at your leisure, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul's logic. Some are saying that there is no resurrection There were false preachers and they were saying there's no resurrection. And Paul says, if that's true, then Jesus did not rise. He's dead. And if that's true, we won't rise. And we are dead. There's no hope. But then he says, but indeed, where is the the exact reading? But, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep. The first fruits. We had a farm in Beamsville, Ontario, in the Niagara Peninsula. And it was a delight to see those first cherries way up high where only the birds can get them. 
up high because the ones that ripen first are up next to the sun all day long. The ones down lower don't get the sun all day long. They ripen first. Boy, I love to climb up there and beat the birds and get those cherries or the first peaches or plums or whatever, the first fruits. And when you have those first fruits, you know that the rest of the harvest is coming. Jesus Christ was the first fruits. He rose from the dead. There's more coming. Who's coming? You and I. The dead. Well, maybe not you and I. Maybe we'll, we, maybe we'll get to go up in the rapture. That's, that, I think that would really be neat. I'm hoping for that. Everybody's been hoping for that for a long time. That would be wonderful. But loved ones, your parents, your dad, mom, your whoever. I remember Don Gustafson. How many years ago did he pass away? 10, 12 years? I was here just that, that week and I remember that. Dear brother in the Lord, many, many dear, in Colombia, one of our missionaries from Australia uh, who founded the Bible Institute was speaking, going at it. He was an aggressive type fellow and in his mid-70s and boom, was in the presence of the Lord just like that. Must have been a tremendous shock to those students. But we'll all rise because Jesus rose from the dead. That's is our hope. There is hope for those who are here without Christ. And maybe there's someone here this morning without Christ and without that hope. You have not personally believed in Jesus Christ. There is hope. There's a diagnosis which needs to be done, just like when you go to the doctor. Sometimes you go to the doctor because you've got a pain. Sometimes you go to the doctor once a year because they say it's a good idea to go to the doctor once a year. You feel okay, but you go to the doctor. And maybe sometime when you go to the doctor feeling fine, he finds something serious. Or maybe sometime when you got a pain, and the pain's pretty bad, you go to the doctor kind of with your fingers crossed and <laughs> sweating and praying, Lord, may this not be something too bad. There's a diagnosis. Yes, you've got this. We've done some tests. Let's do some more tests. Yeah, you have this, and it's kind of bad. Oh, bad news. But there is treatment for it. What a relief. The diagnosis which God's Word does to us is not good news. We have a a disease, a spiritual disease called sin that comes from violating God's perfect and holy law and there are consequences. If we violate a law here in Florida or Colombia or Canada, there are consequences. A fine, community service, jail, maybe in some places death, if you take the life of someone. The penalty for violating God's holy law is death. He said so. And your works are no good. There's nothing you can do to remedy your situation. And that's even more bad news. So you're, you're guilty, you're condemned, and you can't do anything to help yourself. But Jesus, in effect, said, I will go. I will go down and I will pay that penalty. And He did, as we've been remembering these days. He paid that penalty on Calvary's cross. He shed His blood for you and me. He who knew no sin. He was not a sinner. There was nothing for which He needed to be crucified. Nothing whatsoever. But He paid the penalty for all of our sin. So that through faith in Him, His finished work on the cross, and His resurrection, which is the complete picture, through faith in Him, through receiving Him, we can also have eternal life, forgiveness of sins, and know for absolutely sure we'll spend eternity with Him. If you're here this morning without Christ, without forgiveness of sins, without eternal life, we invite you to open your heart and receive Jesus Christ. Put your faith and trust in Him. 
and become a born-again believer and a member of God's family. Father, we thank You for the truth that Your Son, Jesus Christ, indeed did die, shedding His blood for us, confirmed by many, many different people, that He was buried and He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures and was seen on numerous occasions by many, many people. And thank You that because of that, His death, burial, and resurrection, we have hope through faith in Him, through receiving Him personally into our lives and receiving the work which He has done for us, we too can have forgiveness of sins, eternal life, and Your guidance and direction in this life. We thank You for these truths. Bless us and encourage us as we go home with those wonderful words ringing in our ears. He's not here. He is risen. Praise the Lord for that. In Jesus' precious name, amen.